Welcome back to Label, the stories, rumors, and legends of Tooth & Nail Records. I'm your host, Matt Carter, and today I'm in Atlanta. Today is the first day of Labeled Fest, so we're very excited to be out here and have this thing going. Um, We're going to be in Atlanta, Columbia, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, and West Palm Beach, and that's with Emory. That's with Aaron Gillespie playing Southern Weather, and that's with Idle Threat. Those tickets are on sale now at labeluniverse.com. Uh, we also got dates coming up in Texas and on the West Coast, and those are also with Norma Jean, O Sleeper, Watashiwa, and Salt Creek. So come on out to a show, have some fun. Speaking of Idle Threat, the conversation today is with Ernie from the band, and I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. We talk about their new record, it's called Blurred Visions, and it's out now. Uh, it's awesome. I consider this record to be part of the resurgence of tooth and nail and aggressive music and something about all that just feeling really fresh to me right now. So um, this conversation is great and I'm happy to introduce you to Ernie and I'm hoping this will be, you know, your gateway into a cool new band. All right, let's do it. Um, what, do you, what is your role in the band and, you know, in the band founding itself? Just, we almost got your whole background here. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so I play guitar and I do uh, the more aggressive vocals, um, although that's starting to change as we've gotten kind of through a couple records. Our clean vocalist uh, has started to do a little more yelling as well. But uh, I do just kind of the straight up screaming and um, and then most of the most of the rhythm guitar, uh, although, I, again, we kind of we write it all. So we, we, we tend to kind of hand it off to one another as to who's doing uh, which parts guitar wise. Um, but yeah, I kind of uh, joined the band from the beginning. Uh, we kind of Ze- Zeke is the the vocalist, uh, the clean singer and uh, bass player, and then JJ plays drums. And uh, it was kind of a the two Zeke and I were working together, writing some stuff because uh, we met through church, playing on the worship team. And then uh, he had gone to high school with JJ, and they were writing stuff separately from there. And so when we kind of all met together we decided to to try to see if there was any chemistry there and i had never met jj before and we we got together for the first time back in 2014 and yeah it's been the three of us since then well i'll go ahead and tip my you know hand here the long and the short of it is i'm just um you know you guys are doing labeled fest and you have this new record and I'm just a fan. I mean, I'm coming to this as a fan. It's, it's nice that I'm in this position, label podcast, and there's bands and bands promoting stuff like that. But I'm just having this really strong experience lately where the type of music that's coming in, that Tooth & Nail is signing, or the type of stuff, that, like the stuff that Valley Heart is making and the stuff yeah. that you guys are making, it is impacting me. And it's impacting me the way stuff is supposed to. And to me, that's... N- it's like new or it's fresh or something's different because it was been a long period where I've just not liked this type of music or new music or new bands that are kind of like the what kind of stuff we do, you know, that there's this whole cycle to that. And I don't really know how to make sense of it, but all I know is I'm experiencing this new freshness, people doing the right things in the good ways again, for, it somehow it feels like that. And there's more, you know, things are exciting again and tooth and nails getting cool stuff again i'm not trying to disparage anything that's happened in previous years but there's something re-happening um and the influences that you pull from they sound like whoa these are the these are the same types of things that i would pull like you're hitting things that are resonant you know with me and so but i don't know anything about your band and it doesn't seem like a lot of people even know your band at all yet so so to me i'm feeling like oh this is this is just this is exciting in a generalized way. So that's, that's like the, the bones of this conversation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I want to introduce people to your music and just ask you questions about it. Um, you know, cause I'm a new fan and this is a band that, you know, your future's in front of you. So I'm curious how you're thinking of it, like as it's unfolding here and everything. So all the stuff about the, this podcast really pertains and everything, but I really do not know the background or know you guys personally or anything. Um, but, you guys are tooth and nail kids. Do you fit in, How do you fit into this story? Um, and you know, generationally or time wise, I mean, help yeah. me understand that all the way to how do you, you know, become a, get signed? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we are, uh, tooth and nail kids again. I, I have heard you talk on the podcast about like the different generations. So I'm not sure kind of where I, I fall in that. Um, 
for me, uh, I, I like to say that 2006 was like probably the most impactful year of my whole life, even still. Um, because uh, in that year, uh, I became a Christian and also discovered uh, heavy music in general, but specifically Tooth and Nail. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who uh, was a, a year older or so. Um, we ran on the school track team and he was just, I don't know, there's something cool about him. And I always kind of looked up to him, you know, being a younger kid and, and having an older guy uh, kind of show interest and in wanting to be my friend. Um, but he just showed me some of the, the tooth and nail stuff going on solid state uh, at that time. And so I remember um, him just showing me like Norma Jean and, and you guys and uh, me without you. And these are all still bands that are like my favorite bands that have last, you know, stood the test of time for me. Um, but in like full disclosure, like hearing, you know, I, I had a stepbrother also kind of at the same time, he, uh, he had a, a burnt disc that had, um, under oath on it. And I hated it at first because I, I really wasn't really into like kind of rock in general, uh, kind of more into like hip hop. And a lot of the people I hung out with, that was like what they listened to. Um, also just, you know, at that time, like we didn't have access to, uh, music whenever we wanted it and you kind of had to uh you know youtube was kind of becoming a thing at the time and so you were able to find some stuff on there um but the, i mean the main way was just like people showing you what they've been what they've discovered and you know trying to put it on a burnt disc and that was how i got into to heavy music kind of in the first place um didn't love it at first but it grew on me as i sat with it again kind of maybe that like uh impact of wanting to fit in with someone who I admired um, kind of caused me to stick with it a little bit longer um, until, until just some, some point it clicked with me. So um, yeah, it's sort of like mid two thousands was uh, my introductory into uh, tooth and nail and, and solid state. I know uh, Zeke, his dad is a musician and um, he had played, uh, Cornerstone. And so he has memories of being just a little kid going to Cornerstone and seeing uh, like the OC Supertones uh, perform there. So that's kind of his introduction into it. And then JJ too is just a tooth and nail, tooth and nail. And um, just like he's always kind of been more into aggressive stuff. And I think he attributes that to his dad as well, just kind of showing him just bands along the way. But yeah, that's probably our kind of. Yeah. entry into the world right yeah i can't understand what it means to not know what heavy music is until 2006 and particularly because how are you nailing this 90s feeling that i'm such a, i mean i know so much about 90s music and those sounds and it's what it is how are you doing it then if you didn't find heavy music till 2006 I don't, how are you you know yeah it feels like you're channeling things that are before your generation all the way through or whatever and and I don't know why, but it's just, you know, in a, in a finally a fresh enough attitude towards it or something that it, 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 it's, I don't know, something weird going on there. How, how do you interface with the nineties? Yeah. I, you know, so I was born in 93. So like, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't like, I don't know. I was more into sports and stuff. I didn't really care that much for music until around that time in general. And so, uh, I don't know if you like what, what you call it, if it's just like luck or, or just coincidence or divine intervention or whatever, but like none of us really have any deep inspiration from anything that came before that, that time period. So if anything, it's just like taking what was kind of laid out in front of us in like the mid two thousands that might have been inspired from the nineties. Uh -huh. Not to say that it was like, you know, the nineties watered down and then it watered down to us too. But like it, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. It's not watered down. The watered down is the right. opposite. Rock, watered down is what new metal did to nineties rock. Sure. That's less dimensions, like more, you know, th that's thinner and th narrower and narrower and more and more like one dimensional. Sure. That's, that's more of a watered down thing. This is more like, cream rises to the top and nuggets from past things that are really true things or maybe only true or resonant with certain people like but whatever it is the tooth and nail crowd they for some reason we all like the same feet complex feelings or something yeah. and then there's different ways to to approach them or get them at different time 
periods or whatever, but it's not, you know, I think of it more as, it, you know, you're blending things that survived that were really special about that or its rawness or its authenticity. And that shows up again in me without you or under oath or whatever. And it shows up again later too, but there's times when, you know, there's ebbs and flows of all that kind of stuff, but it's neat to see bands pull from stuff, whether, you know, where, where the, where the real awareness comes from of where they were getting it, but it is something resonant in the tooth and nail sound. <laughs> How could it be? How can it be? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, it's, it's not even just like the nineties influence that kind of we get pinpointed with. It's, it's even, you know, you always get kind of the, this band for fans of this other band or these, this group of bands. Right. And a lot of the times people will, will say, Oh, I know for a fact you guys were influenced by as cities burn. Like that's kind of one of the main ones. Right. And in full disclosure, none of us really listened to as cities burn until recently, like within like the last, but that's just too hard to believe. (laughs) It's great. Anyway, let's talk about, I mean, there's a song that that's what, that's exactly what's in my mind sometimes like, Oh, they like, they're big fans of Bush. And obviously, because this sounds like a Bush song from 1992, Sorry. He just got, he wasn't born yet. (laughs) I mean, it it is the truth. It, It may be hard to believe, but it is like, you know, I think it's just more so the three of us have different tastes uh, in music in general that kind of that melting pot comes together. Uh-huh. It just, that's what it turned out to be. And, you know, we, we are like super inspired by, you know, we, we, like, like you guys, like Under Oath, like that sort of kind of for the first time in, in my life at, the, at that time, hearing stuff that shouldn't really go together if you kind of just think about it yeah, for sure. you know just like from like for a logical sure. perspective like oh this this is kind of a light sound but he's screaming over it and that yes that's that work but it does you know that's very 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 on right the right wavelength to think i mean and because it's all kind of different spectrums of what elements you use that way right. but it's that it's that that's the complexity like it's this, but it's this, and then it's like a what? It's a puzzle. And wait, no, I get it. Oh my gosh, I love this. Yeah, that's yeah. the experience of getting into something. It exactly. stretches. It stretches. You wait, but how? I thought I liked heavy, but why do I like the quiet then? Wait a minute. Yeah. I see. Oh no, I do like the, you know what or whatever the dynamic range is. Right. Light, but it's happy, but it's sad, but it's whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's been our entire existence as a band is just finding ways. You know, we're not recreating the wheel, and we know that, but like we we do what what we like <laughs> we write what we want to hear uh what we listen to and so a lot of the times that's just kind of those contrasting elements um and they're not always you know necessarily uh planned that way um sometimes uh-huh. it is and more like okay this is like clearly we want some singing over this lighter part but you know it's not always just like in opposition but you know when it works it works and, and we always try it well, for your influences getting here then, and I want to I want to continue to sort this out as we look through your, your album, but what let's see if we could uh if you could give us maybe three examples of powerful stuff in the catalog for you. You said Norma Jean, is there a Norma Jean moment or song that's big that comes right to the top of your mind? Yeah, I think um for me so a lot of their their newer stuff uh when we were writing this record um, was kind of a, a big inspiration. Um, All hail uh, pretty much. We were jamming that record in the studio, you know? Um, but I know that for me, like specifically uh, Redeemer was like my first record from them. And still to this day is probably in the top five records of all time. What can you hear in your head from it right now? If you listen, uh, probably like, the very beginning of uh, blueprints for future homes, just the way that, that I guess it was like a panic court or something that they had going at the very beginning. And then kind of just builds up real quick until Corey comes in. Um, Just hearing like those little moments, I think, in those songs where you could tell that they were really trying to just like be kind of chaotic, but, but like, it's like on purpose, like it's the chaos sometimes like, you know, it just happens, but like 
it's like a controlled chaos that mm-hmm. I really, really loved at the time and still do. And um, although it might not be how I write, uh, it is always in the back of my mind of how can I write something that uh, is intentional, but when someone kind of listens to it, it, it kind of ha- gives that illusion of like, you know, chance or that it just kind of yeah. happened that way, you know? Yeah, that's a deep cultural thing here because, I mean, that's what a crazy stage presence is or yeah. moshing, even the interactivity of the audience moshing with those dances it's like well that's the most chaotic thing i've ever seen except for how is that under this look at this guy he's under like he's windmilling and diving yeah. sta- but it's all somehow control it's like whatever that is it's pretty yeah. beautiful yeah um what's another one that what's another catalog thing that's part of your dna yeah i mean all of under oath for the most part. Oh, it, so you didn't like it first and it became all of it eventually. It, it honestly, like they did become probably like the most important band. And to me, even just picking up an instrument. Um, I know for a lot of people, whenever they were, you know, learning their instrument or their craft, uh, they might go to classics. Uh, but that wasn't what I was really interested in whenever I, you know, like I said, I, I, I got into it in around 2006 and that's about the time that I, started playing guitar as well so you know i wanted to learn like the under oath riffs i didn't really care about learning anything from like acdc or anything before that or the things that maybe people naturally do whenever they um pick up an instrument uh, and what riff what riff is the one you're like oh if i could learn that well ironically enough it was it wasn't even like that i wanted to learn it so bad it was just the, I remember A Boy Brush Red was like the first song on that little CD that my stepbrother gave me that I didn't like at the time, right? But I kept it for some reason. Can you feel your heartbeat racing? Can you taste the fear in your sweat? You've done this wrong, it's too far gone. These sheets tell of regret. I admit that I'm just a fool for you. I'm just a fool for you. And, uh, and so that was the first one I went to because I just want to learn the beginning of, of that song and then it would move on. And in regards to self, it was like the one I couldn't get because I was like teaching myself and it seemed so hard to do until I finally learned how to do it. And um, kind of just honestly, I was trying to learn them all and as many of them as I could. And to this day, I still play a bunch of them just like, you know, screwing around at practice or whatever. Is, so in regards to myself, the King riff? It's the King Ref. I mean, it's pretty sick. And you can ask all the guys, like, I still pull it out. <laughs> you you, you guys still might sound check it. with it, I bet. Yeah, you guys might, you guys might, <laughs> yeah. might hear it because it's the yeah. one that I you yeah. know, keep in my back pocket. It's, it's one that people who may not play guitar are like, whoa, you're like really good. And it's yeah, that's total so imposter cool. syndrome, you know? That's so cool because, yeah, it's like if you can chant, like, I remember, um, there's this, like, I remember on the first Tooth and Nail tour, uh, they're like ambulance sound checking or whatever. It's like, yeah, this band's new. They're good. I mean, they were, I barely knew them at the time, but when they would sound check, Joey from ambulance would just play these freaking, I mean, he'll play these Zayo riffs and nail them. It's like, oh, I was like, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. He, <laughs> he's got, he, like, I understood that. And it's like, that's how he's, you know, could communicate what, and you could hear the things that he hears in it, but him freaking nailing it. Like, wow. You know, and that just, that matters. All that, all that matters. Yeah. But it's like, you can get attention like you people turn your head when you're just noodling on guitar. If you stumble on something that actually is awesome, first of all, that somebody made and yeah. then you nail it like, yeah. yeah, like that'll turn somebody's head in a sound check. It's crazy. Oh, for sure. And, and being in that like weird nuance of like heavy and light, you play with a lot of, you know, bands that are fully in on one side or the other. And so a lot of the times whenever we're on like a particularly heavy bill, uh, you know, we might pull out a converge riff and then everyone yes. thinks like, oh, this band is about to be like insane. <laughs> and then yeah. we get up there and we do what we do. And I, yeah. I'm not saying that anybody is turned off by that, but, you know, it, you do get their attention for a second and kind of create that, so funny. that moment of, uh, you know, camaraderie. Like, oh, this. But that means there's some kind of magic because why would that? Like that riff got discovered. It exists. It's part of also culture, which is part of why it makes them their head turn, but also because it was good and also because it's played well and also because they're, fo- you know, it's like th- all those things lining up can happen at a live, like in a real room with real people. There's some real, 
that's the stuff that gets close to magic because it's like, why does that work? Why does that do that to everybody? Like, yeah. why does that happen? It's just notes. It's just notes, but it's like a, I guess people take sort of a self ownership in those yeah. notes, even though they had nothing to do with them in the first place. Uh, yeah. But I know, like, if I hear a band play something that I recognize, especially if it's a sort of a deep cut or whatever, you know, you're just yeah. like, okay, this is someone, this is someone like I might be friends with. Like, I, I yeah. feel like on a, on a yeah, for sure. normal, just everyday existence, we tend to like be pretty simple with yeah. connecting. At least guys do. I, you know, I don't know yeah. how everyone is, but guys, you find one thing that you have in common and like you're just buds. And I know that's how I am too with, with music. You play yeah. any song it's, that I know and I'm like, you feel hey. known. You feel known somehow. You feel connected. You feel that oh, he knows that weird thing about a time signature too. We yeah. know, we we know we can know we know we must know. And then you talk about it, it's like no, we don't actually even know the same things we thought we knew. But what is this? How are yeah. we connected? But we are. You know. Anyway, that's and that's fan. It doesn't matter. That's transcends fanness or sure. on stage off. It's not about that. You know. Yeah. It's like right. uh, one of the craziest things though that um I think it exists now in the form of what what they call emo night but it used to be like in 2006 or five if we were playing some club in some random city and there's 400 people in there and it's sold out and they're so excited and we hadn't gone on yet and they're playing music between bands and they play the damn under oath song <laughs> the whole room would start screaming the words and they were gonna it was gonna be louder than they were gonna be for us in twenty minutes. I'd be like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't matter because it was felt so good when it would yeah. happen. It's like, well, I guess let it, like you wouldn't not want that to happen, but it's like, wait, who are all these people in this city doing this together? Under us not even he, half of them are wearing under us shirts probably at the in that moment. It's like, well, right. we're gonna try and go try to get some of that when we go play our songs that they bought a ticket for but they're literally so yeah. it had to be something with the part and the shit and that, that must have felt so good and now it's this highly monetizable multi-million dollar emo trend and emo night brooklyn you don't even need the you don't need gillespie for that you know you don't need it the song the song is the anyway um that all, all that stuff is connected that's really cool well we all kind of want to we call all kind of a spot like who doesn't want to write something anything even just one song i i think of like one hit wonders and things like that i mean Maybe it gets old, but I I just can't see that. Like you have a song, like in that moment, seeing hearing all those people that are there to see your band, but they're losing it to this other band that's not even physically there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the dream. That's, that's like uh, yeah. It, right. Who doesn't want to do that? It you sh it should be done regardless of anything. Like yeah. that should if that can't happen, it should. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Um. That that's awesome. Um, what? Let's do one more. One more thing. Is there any other? Do you go farther back? Like is that is like, like literally? You never even get, like nothing earlier in, in the Tooth and Nail catalog. Have you gone back to become a fan of anything even prior to that? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. I I'm also like one of those people that has a hard time getting into new music. Not necessarily in terms of when it was released but just presented to me you know um and so i have to be like really hooked by something in order to kind of deviate from what i listen to so yeah i mean it's you know it's not the sexy answer but no it really is like that's kind of the entry point and i only looked forward after that i didn't really ever do any kind of i mean within within the bands i might have looked back like i didn't get into you without you until um probably brother sister but then i went back and my favorite is catch for us the foxes so mm -hmm. you know within the each band i might go back but yeah as far as like i didn't really look too much into 90s after that um it was just kind of let's just keep moving forward and, and the bands i loved kept putting out music um until you know you kind of briefly touched on it. there was a period it's not so much that there anyone did anything wrong it was just I don't know if we all collectively kind of fell out of that kind of music. Uh, it's just or, cycles. There's just cycles yeah. to things like you yeah, overdo so, it and then it's weird for a while and whatever. Yeah. So it just yeah. kind of, there, there, there was a period, you know, where I kind of fell off of that tune and was listening to other things, but 
um, that stuff just remained. Like I just continued to listen to it over and over. Couldn't get enough of it. What's the most special moment on Catch for Us the Foxes? Well, I I think that Paper Hanger is like the best song. Um, but I, it's just I also listen to a lot of music from start to finish, and and I don't really own in too much on like the individual moments. So, so like for for me, Catch for Us the Foxes is like it's like they wrote it that way. It's in that order for a reason, and. Mm-hmm. I hardly ever just pick songs. Like if I'm going to listen to a record, I just throw it on and I just go through it. And, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's totally fine. But if you, you did it a second ago, but if you, if you just listen in your head, what part are you hearing? Um, <laughs> well, let me think about it for a second. What, is, what do you hear when you remember that song or album? What part? Forward letter, you know, when he when that that track ends or, or starts and I wrote a four word letter. I wrote a four word letter. Postscript and crooked lines. Though I lived, I'd never been alive. You know who I am. You help my hand. And then it just that Ricky comes in with that that groove on the drums. Yeah. Like, okay, this is just sick. Yeah. yeah, it was a big moment, and you know. And they did such a good job of going from song to song that that transition was so just like takes you back, right? And you're just like, all right, this is, and it's almost the end of the record at that point too. So you, I don't know. It's just not something that I necessarily would have done myself. And I think that's why a lot of times I do look up to uh, artists that kind of do something to me. I don't know if, if you feel sort of a lot of people, but like whenever I, uh, whenever I do it, maybe Maybe this is considered imposter syndrome or something, but when I do it, it's like, all right, it, it must not be that good. But when someone else takes a chance to do something, I'm like, okay, that was like pro, that was legit. And so when they make decisions like that, it's like, oh, that's not something I would have done, but maybe that's why it's so good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a bet or a gamble. I mean, sometimes you look back and go, well, that was in fact stupid, but sometimes yeah. it's not, but you have to try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, well then let's talk about your record. Um, from my, you know, from my point of view, it's just right, just belongs right in the catalog. It's exactly the type of music that you would think would be on tooth and nail. Um, I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing it live. I mean, I'm really, it's just really cool stuff. So let's go through, you know, a few songs and see what other conversational elements we can tie onto them. But the first one is Driftwood. When it's so 90s i mean there's such a 90s you know vibe to that right yeah. like that's the one where i'm hearing the thing that i hear in it that's so 90s is like you use the major chord there mm-hmm. and, and the minor progression kind of yeah. thing yeah like and it's that that feel and a gritty voice and a raw recording um you know what i mean there's all those all, all those things are in it How, can you uh what do you have to say about it those are the, that's what comes up immediately for me yeah, so that song was uh, tentatively titled like the Thrice song um, because it had somewhat of like an early Thrice feel to it to us. Um, and when we, that was one of the first songs like when we were uh, in the studio actually recording the record. Uh, that Well, that was the first song that we, we tracked um, because it was also the song that we felt was like the most complete coming into it. So what you hear is is you know we worked on it it was produced while we were in there but um for the most part like it was pretty much what you hear is, is how we had it written um mm-hmm. does the choice to go with like that sort of raw guitar tone was uh kind of just like we've always kind of believed in like that real sound like we don't none of our recordings have too much uh reamping or anything like that like it's just we find the yeah. tones while we're in there and we want to, uh, we want it to sound live because we've always kind of considered ourselves more of a live band. And so it's not over track. Like the production style is not over tracked. It's not overproduced. Is right. that, I mean, that's part of the setup that or that, that was intentional. Yeah. yeah. And we, we always want to be able to, uh, 
play it and not, you know, we don't really ever have any, uh, like computers on, on stage or anything like, mm-hmm. you know, we we're just like just now experimenting. But why not? But I mean, didn't you just come up in this time where under oath and everybody is doing computers on stage and the recording yeah. technology is better and better and better. Like, how are you, what's the rejection of that come from? Because, um, yeah, you I, like- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that it's like, uh, and it's not from a, a place of like, you know, superiority or anything like that. Like that has its place. And like, like I love bands that do that. Um, if anything, it, it might have just, it might just be like us not having uh, the resources to do so. We've always kind of done things ourselves. Um, we, uh, we have had to work our way up to have the equipment that we have um, now. So, you know, one that and not knowing, kind of how to maybe use it as much uh, has just kind of been like, well, we want to be able to play with our hands. And if we can't do that, then it's probably not going to make it. Now, not everything. Sometimes like there's some stuff on the record that, you know, was kind of flown in or whatever, or it was a pedal that we don't have and, and things like that. But like for the most part, like we want to be able to recreate it with real instruments uh, to give yeah. it as much a, a real uh, raw sound that we haven't. Yeah. And that might change, you know, as we get older and maybe have access to a little bit more money. To right. Buy. Yeah. But uh, it's just kind of been the way we've always done it. And that's kind of in our DNA is just kind of do it maybe the hard way. To me, that's a really, really good signal for many, many things on in, in a resetting kind of a way of the way people hear and create and stuff. Because, of course, we have all the technology, but we've pursued that in whatever ways that maxes out who knows what. But, you know, but there's this feeling of it helps me to understand your identity that the only thing on the record is stuff that you could do because it's, I mean, it helps me understand who you are faster. Like, Oh, that's who, this is what that band does sound like. That's actually easier for me to get my mind around in some way that it's cohesive and I'm automatically attracted to it because you have had to put on constraints yourself of, Oh, we're only do what we could play. It's not a purity thing. It's not about that. No, but nonetheless, no. it, it's more. You have more identity as a result of that constraint. That's it's easier for me to like feel. There's a lot there it, because not. I'm not even saying less is more. I, I really don't like that phrase. It's sure. not even that. It's just the constraint, and it's completely coherent in a sonic context to me. Yeah, so that really helps, and it's nice because things have just been so overdone in the other direction. So it's. I feels also feels fresh. Yeah, I, you know, and we're. I wouldn't say that we're like so far on like the lo-fi side of things by any means like there's there's certainly a, a certain level of, of quality in the production that we want to hold ourselves to um but there, there's just honestly like in just what i listen to uh on a daily basis i don't really listen to yeah. stuff that's just super overproduced like it i can't really click with it the same way that i can with you know when there's you hear the little blemishes in the songs or the yeah. the feedback and the things like that that are just natural that come from playing real instruments by real people yeah and thank you chariot for making sure we all learn that lesson and know that and stuff like thank you for making sure we never really forget no matter what we're experimenting with technologically at any given time there's you know you could feel that that tether but it used to be i mean it's a great bottleneck to actually better i'm not saying in a purest way better really play or whatever because it's like even the bottleneck of used to be at a make recordings for $4,000 in 1997 that were horrible, but nonetheless bands had to rise to that format yeah. as a constraint. So it really brought out great things. But now if you can bring a band into that constraint, you can still capture them for $4,000 and it can be freaking incredible. Yeah. But they have to rise to that bar of being able to, you know, deliver this yourself like that. You can take that constraint off if you want and do great things. Maybe, but you might get lost <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, being a band that plays live, uh, you, to me, it, it sounds horrifying to sound so good that you have that standard set for you that if you don't live up to that, people might yeah. not dig you live or might, you might get that rumor that you're a band that sucks live or whatever. And in that, it just, you can always make a band. I mean, technology is where it is that you, you can make it sound as perfect as you want it to sound now, but mm-hmm. you can't take that to, unless you're just playing to tracks on stage, you can't take that perfect sound and, and always put it on a stage and it, it come through unless you're yeah. actually playing it to that level. Yeah. Yeah. 
And in this song, too, I do think it sounds like, I mean, it's not surprising to me that Corey uh, Brandon is an influence of yours. Like, that channels him, you know, really well. Um, I think you're screaming, you know, on this one. But also, I hear Cave-In. Are you a fan of Cave-In? No, not really. Crazy. I haven't actually, I'm not familiar. It's not that, yeah, I haven't really listened to it a lot. Well, I mean, it's in the neighborhood of people, if you go all the way, you say Norma Jean and Cave-In and Converge. You said Converge earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Cave In is some adjacent space to that, but they have spa- Cave In to me, um, w- you know, had the spacey element early on. Mm-hmm. Like they were at, they were doing this post hardcore stuff that's really crazy and heavy, but also they had the spacey thing they would kind of chase. And now, spacey and ambience is a big part of 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 stuff in a way that, especially because of headphones now. You know what yeah. I mean? So the fact that we're listening to much headphones, there's people trying to figure out how to open up space again instead of just fill space. And you guys are obviously trying to do that a little bit, but Cave-In was really early at that. I think Hope's Fall also Mm -hmm. was early, very early with trying to create and play with space. But that, you know, that's one of the things I hear as well. Yeah. We definitely are, um, I think you can overfill space for sure. And and if if there's room for the song to breathe, um, and this is something that our producer did a really great job of kind of conveying to us that you want to give the listener time to digest what they just listened to. Um, and if, if, and a lot, specifically with lyrics, but even within the instrumentation, like we had a lot of times we're kind of guilty of uh, trying to fill the space and it's unnecessary. And so we would, we would take some things out or, um, hang on some chords a little bit longer than we might have originally written it to be so. and and yeah, just kind of the more space you can give them to digest what they just listened to um, is is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, let's look at the song "Safety in the Shade." Now, this one is. You go first on this one. You tell me, and then I'll tell you my thoughts and notes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. tell me about that song. Yeah, so that song is uh, about a real experience that I had with uh, kind of developing some anxiety over the last couple of years, um, specifically related, ironically enough, to heat um, and kind of heat exhaustion and things like that. And uh, just had some like, a, a terrible experience with that to the point where it caused me to always feel uncomfortable uh, whenever I felt remotely hot um, to put it uh, short. But uh, so like that song, I, I was thinking through how to write a song about that. And the idea of uh, the story of Adam and Eve kind of came to mind with them hiding uh, from God once they, you know, ate of the forbidden fruit or whatever. And so I kind of wanted to parallel those two things of how like the sun is actually good for you and brings life uh, and isn't something to, you know, necessarily be afraid of in the same way that, you know, God isn't something to be afraid of, even though they recognized uh, their nakedness uh, in that moment. And so that's kind of what that song is just about is just paralleling those two stories, um, a real life example for me. And then a, just a biblical story that we've all heard um, and how sometimes the best things for you are the things that you're like trying to hide from. And so um, that was kind of the lyrical structure, but then uh, just from a, an instrument standpoint, um, we had actually written uh, the, the back half of it before the first half. And so we had that riff at the very end, uh, the sort of the, the moshy part and, uh, decided to, uh, figure out a way to kind of bring that into the song. So like, that was kind of its own thing. We were potentially writing another song with it. Um, but then once we realized that we had like the first part kind of fleshed out, it went really well as kind of a tag on the end of that, um, to create sort of the, the mosh call, which we don't normally do. That's actually one of the first times we've ever done something that, uh, intentional with with mosh participation or whatever you want to call it. we don't really write uh-huh. for that but uh you know if it happens it happens well the song form is is cool 
it, it just and it's an adventure song you know yeah. it starts and it goes on a journey it's a journey so i don't know if y'all what language y'all have for that it's just a three section linear form i mean what yeah. what language do you have for such a song yeah that that's actually like pretty much how we used to always write songs um and and that that is sort of where i get where people say like the as cities burned kind of comparison um i was even thinking of under oaths um we are the involuntary how that's kind of another song that kind of just like start a to b or to c or whatever you know it's just linear um side plug on that the closer on the new under oath album pneumonia is 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 this and it's awesome i I just did i'm in the middle of making an episode about it like right now and it's yeah i love it and it's this it's this this is the same uh type of adventure song to me yeah we wrote a lot well that's kind of our main way of writing uh up until this record where then we kind of did some more of the traditional verse chorus verse chorus stuff um but yeah at the time it was just kind of stringing together riffs you know uh until we've kind of developed into now where we're at uh, doing some more of the traditional structures on, on so this on song purpose. and this song did it go which what's the order of the three sections did how did it how did the song unfold which one did you write first or what did you know it was supposed to be first yeah so originally it would have been a and b and then c wasn't really supposed to be part of the song until we realized that it worked and so we brought c and attached it to the end of, of b okay. um yeah so it, it, it essentially went a b and c you had A and B kind of came together and then later decided we can go to C instead of yeah. return or close some other way. Yeah, there was a separate C that didn't we just didn't really care for and we brought that one in and it, it finished the song. That's tight. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, I've got As Cities Burn on this myself. Yeah. And I thought of that as, you know, the, I, I tried to figure out what why is this so ACB, but for sure there's the spaciness to it is like mm-hmm. that and but also i just for the, i don't know that much about lyrics but i felt like i was being handled by the lyrics the way cody handles me when, like what am i listening like i was felt like i was so, for whatever I, there's something resonant with the, the ly- lyric presentation or the way it's set up or these i don't there's something about it that was making me f- feel that yeah but is that not is cody a lyric influence to you at all um i will say with this record uh I did, again, it wasn't that As Cities Burn was ever something that kind of like influenced us from the start, but with this record specifically, I did go and listen to like Come Now Sleep and uh, just really kind of listen to what he, how he, how they structured some stuff. Um, not in any effort to like, you know, rip anybody off or anything, but just hearing some stuff that I'd been told, like, you guys kind of sound like this and, and trying to lean into it a little bit yeah. more rather than... Yeah you know, rejecting it. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't say again that I I've always kind of written the way I write in terms of lyrics. Uh, so I wouldn't say he was an early, uh, influence, but for this record specifically. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there was definitely some influence drawn from him. Well, I hope more people will continue to draw influence because he's some type of genius. Oh I yeah. Mean, you know, so that's uh, you, anybody that can pull such influence off should it would be my yeah. opinion there um the i just texted aaron lunsford the drummer and the song and said what and i didn't tell him i just said what well, listen to this what do you hear uh, here's his uh i'm ready said, to roast me he said yeah that riff he said yeah that riff is a rip off of paula sparks by copeland <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Copeland fan? Uh, yeah, I am a Copeland fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's actually my wife's favorite band. So, <laughs> I, yeah, that's one of those. I'll, you know what? I'll take it. That's fine. He said, I, um, I said, yeah, I said, I, you know, I said, how do you see it in relation to that city's burn? I think it's influenced and also does a good, you know, this is, I think this is, this is good, whatever. He said, yeah, they're doing ACB and the bled too. Do you know the bled? I do know the bled. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, the the end of the song is from pa- past the flask okay he said so yeah. he's got bled is you know so which i i can't i don't i didn't hear that you know immediately but again bled is one of those bands i if i mean there's first of all the bled pulls from a lot of places to get where the bled are first of all you know what yeah. i mean but i i just for whatever reason it is these are the exact little things that i mean 
and I am in no way saying rip off. I'm saying rip off as tribute. It's like, this is how I write music too. This is exactly how it's done. You just try to find what's good from this. I copy the bled all the time, you know? Yeah. But the bled's riff on the Dale Earnhardt seatbelt one is straight from refused. I mean, it's the same refused riff yeah. put in a tiny different package, but you could win in court if you wanted to, like, <laughs> but it's not, it's not bad. It's not, it's what you're supposed to do yeah. because it doesn't really come out like that. But if you, you know, I used to hear all these, you know, where silver chairs copying helmet is copying Nirvana is it's just like, ah, I just, I love that network of web of like trying to trace micro influence. So I don't mean any of this to come off um, in any way, by just having a field day kind of exploring it like that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it any other way than just, you know, that it, it is more just coincidence though, because like we just, it's, at least it's not intentional, you know? And, and yeah. we, uh, I think it's just, it's kind of that duality of knowing that we're not, creating anything necessarily new uh but uh-huh. i mean new new a fresh take i think is what you said fresh yeah, yeah. absolutely Th- yeah and just thank you thank you thank you like it's like i you get it yes D- yeah like that's so it's a good feeling it's a great feeling yeah. it yeah if anything it's just like we respect uh kind of where our upbringing right what we where we what we were listening to what we came to to throw homage to that kind of stuff but it's never listening to a riff and being like I no. want to write that exact same thing or something like this. It's just kind of by consuming it, maybe subconsciously we create things that have already been sort of created in a, a, a different time or even a different feel, you know? So yeah, I, it's not it's, I mean, the, I would describe it as, I mean, there are definitely times when I'm intentionally going, we need a something that feels like a something that so-and-so would do here. And I'll go listen to it and try to think of what they were doing to get there and then let that come back. You know what I mean? Like to solve a problem in a song, you go, okay, what would so-and-so do? Yeah. And then you can, it just, you know, you don't know something like there's a song on the new Emory record just came out another plug uh, on tooth and nail. But it's as soon as anybody heard it, the first comment in the live chat was, oh, that's a me without you riff. And I was like, fuck, it is. Yes, it is. It is exactly a ripoff of Gentleman. Yes, it is. And I didn't know it. I did not know it until the second the first put the comment. And they put in the comment as soon as it first hit in the live broadcast. It's like, yes, it. but yes, it is. But I didn't know that. But that I didn't okay. know it, but that that's is exactly okay. what it is. That's totally okay. I'm, I'm proud of it. Thank you, Mike. I mean, I don't yeah. know what else to say. Yeah, yeah, and there. I mean, this is a whole other thing, but like, uh, it, even in like the more mainstream uh, kind of music scene, uh, that that Olivia Rodrigo's uh, record, mm-hmm. or whatever, there's like mm-hmm. two songs on there that are like carbon copies of other songs that I've, I've uh-huh. you know, my wife played it or whatever, and I was just like, I've heard this riff like exactly yeah. though. One is Paramore, and what else is it? Uh, the other one, I don't know who originally wrote it. Is that na 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 na? It's oh, like yeah, an yeah, old yeah. like seventies uh, yeah. rock band, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, it, we're not the only ones doing it. Like everybody at some point. I, and I love little. that Olivia Rodrigo record, but Damn. she writes the the co writing on that is with somebody from our scene too. It's uh, okay. as tall as lions, I think, is the yeah, band. Okay. Yeah. And so, so that's a co writer on the Olivia Rodrigo. You know, and that song, like when the first single came out, that broke records of most streams ever and it's just you know stuff like us to paramore as tall as lions plus young people and here it comes and those are the good feelings and that's great music and it's subversive and it's apathetic and it's countercultural. i love it yeah so yes. that's so that's exciting to you to hear it's so exciting yeah to hear like um i know like one of the big debates is the the whole like uh mgk kind of showing young people pop punk again or something like that, that, and, that I'm, I don't like that as good. Yeah. But I understand. I, I don't, I'm not going to knock, you know, somebody can just eventually be downstream and receive it all and put it in a pop cartoon package and make a bunch of money uh, like Machine Gun Kelly or something. I, I'm not going to fault him for that. Sure. But he didn't create it, but I don't care. But I'm, I am, I am glad that it's the stuff is farther toward pe- more people hearing it that yeah. like it's cool that the th- is validating in a sense it's validating do you know what i mean yeah. yeah like i don't care if he actually knows where it came from comes from or has any respect i don't care about that that's just right. this the, the 
other people get to feel that feeling of aggressive guitar and in your faceness as a fuck you to something. Right. I'm glad. I'm glad for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. With that. I mean, just knowing my approach to writing, writing music is always kind of just to write the things that drew me to music in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I don't, I'm not a fan of his, but I, I love the Olivia Rodrigo yeah. record, but I see my daughter sure. listen to it and I'm like, wait, uh Oh, how is this? How are we? This, that's almost too much. It's like, wait, does she feel the feel? And does she, we like that. She's a new generation of some of the things exactly that I like the most. Yeah. A nirvana-ness to it, uh, emo-ness to it. And she's, I see her getting into the lyrics or something, singing it to herself. I go, what is going on? She's eight, you know? But wow. So yeah, to me, that's all, that's cool. Like, does I she, like uh, it. Does she, uh, are you like, like the, un, are you like uncool to her though? Like the music you listen to? Like, I'm trying play? to, I'm very careful, very careful to not try to make it uncool like i yeah. really want to tie it all together i really yeah. really think it's all one thing i mean for sure you know so she i took her side stage of me without you concert recently and yeah. she kind of got it but she kind of got bored and then <laughs> but then later she kept asking about it and stuff you know yeah. and so we're going to a king's kaleidoscope concert and that's going to be really big and powerful i think she's really gonna enjoy that and it and it'll make it will it makes sense i mean yeah. and then olivia rodrigo's over there and we're over here and whatever i mean it's not that she can see, you know, I think it's all good. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was just curious because you hear a young, a, a, a younger uh, artist kind of uh, influencing these younger kids. And then like, you've been living it for the last, you know, few decades or whatever. And you're just, well, like, I mean, how funny is it to make, how funny is it to make Haley from Paramore look old? Yeah. How funny is that? That's so amazing. Yeah. Like, why are we having that conversation then if that's not what's happening here? Like, why? Ha, that's awesome. Like, yeah. how, you know, Miley Cyrus is old. Yeah. That's cool. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. But we like the same stuff still somehow. How is that all really? I don't know. Anyway, that, that's what I like about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're pro probably pretty far off now. <laughs> But thank you for uh, getting me to, you know, thank you for yeah. ask for letting me ex express and explore here. Um, let's go to the gold grows dim. Yeah. Another great one. What does that bring up immediately for you? Yeah. So, uh, that song was kind of, um, a song that we had been working on for some time in terms of uh, like lyrical content. Um, I had been on this like weird train of thought for a while about how I have a hard time with being like in the present. Um, I'm kind of always either, and I think this isn't just me, it's a lot of people, but like we either look to the future, right? We're excited about something. Um, we're dreading something, whatever it is. And we just can't wait for that moment to either happen or pass. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, we're looking back to remember those things that we were excited about or people we've lost or whatever it might be to the point where it's like really, really difficult to just be like cool with right now. And even on like a minor or like more minute level, uh, whether it be like reading a book or, um, watching something i just have this tendency to like want to achieve rather than enjoy so like if i start a book like i'm ready for it to be over as soon as i started it because i just want that feeling of like i just like finished it right and so i just have this like really hard time with like being in the present and uh just enjoying life at that moment and so that's kind of what that song is just about uh again it had been something i had been kind of like saying from stage for a while um but i wanted to find a way to put that into the song and so uh we had that song we actually wrote in the studio uh instrumentally um and that was a, a pretty big co-write with the producer like he kind of helped along with the, the instrument who is the producer that we've his been name, discussing yeah yeah same brett romness um he's up in hope hatcom new jersey at the barbershop studio so um how'd you get connected yeah uh tooth and nail they wanted us to to go with him and um 
we had some uh we had some different options that we kind of were throwing around but uh we ended up landing with him so um, let, we, me, we, let me let me tag on to that. How did you get connected with Tooth and Nail, or you know, an album? Oh, yeah. and like, what's that? What's that part? Yeah, so uh, we had written a, a little EP uh, back in twenty eighteen, I guess, uh, twenty nineteen, called uh, "Nothing Is Broken for Good." And uh, at that time, uh, everything up to that point had just been self released. So we had these songs; they were done, and we. Uh, just tried shopping it around and sent it to a bunch of labels and um, Tooth and Nail was the only one that got back with us and they got Perfect. back with us in like tw- less than 24 hours and um, who was the who who was the it was Adam yeah it was Adam Perfect. So, and, and we had a, we had some friends on uh, the label a band called Loyals um, and so uh, that's kind of where I was just like hey you got a direct contact yeah. I can reach out to and so that was a yeah part. Loyals is cool Loyals I yeah. like yeah, Andrew, shout out to him because without him, we wouldn't have had that contact. So, um, yeah, Adam got back with us and that was, you know, you know how that goes. It was a long process of kind of figuring it out, um, what, what it was going to look like, contracts and stuff. And um, in 2020, we signed and released that record and then the pandemic broke out. and We sat on it. And I, I think that has a lot to do with why a lot of people don't necessarily know who we are because we didn't get to do anything on it. Yeah. Until you hadn't done anything yet. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, that's our foot in the door and, and it's been pretty sick. It's been a dream come true for sure. So the, so then you come through with tooth and nail and they suggest you a producer who then you come to trust and then are now co-writing. That's a pretty nice yeah. situation because it's not, not always that common. You just, you know, get somebody to record your record or whatever. And it goes well. Not, yeah. Not always. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was certainly like, you know, nerve wracking from that perspective because up, up to that point we had never even, we'd all done, you know, self-produced records. And so, uh, giving up a, a piece of that was kind of a conversation. It was like, well, okay, well, how involved does he want to be? And like, are we cool with that? And, and, and he was from the very beginning, he was like, this is y'all's record. I just want to help make it what you want it to be. And so, he was as involved as we wanted him to be. And, you know, fortunately he had great ideas. And so we wanted him to be as involved as possible. Um, and so that's why, that's how we ended up writing that song. And uh, he was really great with pacing too. Uh, we, we would, we would take breaks pretty often. And uh, the end of that song, uh, the guys were off eating somewhere. And uh, that sort of, I don't want to call it a breakdown, but just kind of a, the riff at the end is uh was just something I was sitting up there kind of trying to figure out how to wrap up the song. And when they came back up, I was like, Hey, what do you guys think of this? And that, that's how, that's what ended up making the last section of that song complete. Nice. I yeah. have, the, I feel Jimmy world vibes or a Jimmy world fan. I am, but our, our uh, drummer, that's his favorite band. So what about Pedro the lion. Oh yeah. 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 And, yeah. and at that time too, especially, I mean, we were listening to a lot of Pedro, um, I think, uh, Phoenix came out around that time. I thought, so we were, we were jamming, uh, Pedro like nice. a lot. Yeah. That summer. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what about hopes fall? You ever been a hopes fall fan? I'm not super familiar with hopes fall. Um, I know that I know that they're, you know, important and like clearly they, I don't know if you guys were on that show, but there was a show they played not that long ago. Um, in South Carolina, it looked huge. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I respect anything. Anytime I see a band like that, I'm like, okay. And I think they played with Advent, which I'm a big Advent. Advent fan. and yeah. Stretch Armstrong, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that they're super, super big deal. I just haven't, yeah. Another one of those that I just kind of never dug into. I, I'll text you after this. Yeah, and maybe I mean, that, it's not that they're huge or anything, but but they understood they understood something um, that people are just now getting about spaciness and stuff like that. It's not. It's like paying off. You know, and they never had the full career. Did you know? Were able to really, yeah. You know, whatever. But they're. That's what I'm saying. Even now, they, it's, they're they're credited. They should. They are and should be credited with with a lot that came out of them, regardless of what those four individuals' careers actually were in the real world, nuts and bolts and shows and dollars. Like that's not that's not what's all about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But. It's interesting for you, and that's just the way I'm looking at it now. Is you know, uh, you have it's your beginning of a career here. So at, you know, as we s- sit here now, if I'm going to Spotify, you have this record out. Yeah. 
and I don't mean it as an insult, but you have only 3,384 monthly listeners, and that does not make sense, except for that it's early to me. So I'm, I'm hoping that starting even today, we'll get what they call the labeled bump. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm just, te- I'm just teasing, but that does exist. I've gone back and looked at certain bands that haven't you know, Spotify has pretty good analytics and there is a labeled bump that exists, which is cool. And cool. it might be measurable here um, just because the follower count is low. But even still, what's the point is you have, then we have a tour coming up labeled fest you're going to be on. And then, um, so that's, you know, I'm not trying to promo that. Obviously this is all some form of that, but it's like, uh, that's going to be in the next couple of weeks. That's July fifth through the 10th southeast and then you yeah. guys are going to do the leg in august in california if i have my dates and times and yeah. details of that right that's great um so this is you know you've been this record through the pandemic and so now there's more and more opportunity so i'd love i mean you know it seems like a great fit the genre is on the way up and everything so it'll be it should be cool to watch idle threat come into people's awareness you know over time and and, and stuff and be able to look back to you know where we are now yeah I think uh, a, a big, we don't really care too much about the numbers. I know from a label perspective, they care um, and, and they should, uh, but it's just, I, th- I think well, w- one thing that really kind of killed us with this release is we didn't get on any Spotify playlist whatsoever. Uh, and I know that has a, that has a lot. I mean, it can do a lot for you if you can get on one of those like curated playlists and whatnot. And so that was kind of a bummer to see that. Cause we, we did, you know, think that that would, do something for us uh, if we were able to get on there. But um, we, it's a new know. world with all of that, those things, you know, so tooth and nails found the right kind of sound, the artist that belongs. And then distribution is this whole new thing. And, and it's, it's totally different. And, you know, it goes all the way back to the radio payola days to this. I and mean, now there's a whole new sets of norms and people and relationships and how it works and the machines and the algorithms. I mean, it's wild like it, but it's exciting. Yeah, is all I'm saying. So there's not nobody really knows what how things are going to unfold from here. But you know, it's that you can feel there's things to do and uh, breakthroughs to happen, and you don't know when and how. But when the good people are paying attention to the good stuff, sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's early. That's all. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, and then there's there's things so. to figure out, you know. But um, but anyway, this is it seems like the beginning of an exciting journey to me definitely feels like that within our own camp too like we definitely feel like we're on the the cusp of of being able to you know especially with this tour coming up like we're really excited about being able to to play for new cities i mean we've we've toured quite a bit but um you know we're going we've never been out west so we're really excited about that awesome being able to you know be in front of people and and we've been told you know from individuals at shows and that's like kind of a very small scale but that there are certain crowds like out West too, that really dig this kind of music and that certain markets our kind of music would do better in. And so we're excited to kind of tap into that a little bit and see, see what happens. Um, but ultimately like we just kind of do our thing and if people like it, awesome. If not, you know, they can file a complaint with corporate and we'll be good. Yeah. But, and, and you know, you guys are, you guys are local all in Nashville. You have the place that you practice every Thursday you putting in the time, you're doing the work, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that, these are the, these are the steps. I mean, I don't know what happens. I mean, you know, who knows what happens, but it feels good or promising to me. And you're doing the good, you're doing the good work the, the right way. It'll, you know, keep doing that in the room. And I don't know, it's the right track for me. So I'm excited to be here. What I consider to be early on idle threat. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Um, and, yeah, that's it. I don't have anything else, but um, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person in a couple of weeks and getting to it. Yeah, it's coming up fast. I'm really excited. It's going to be a good time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Labeled. My name is Jacob, and I'm from Virginia. I've been listening since the beginning. A favorite scene moment of mine was when I crowd surfed for the very first time at one of the recent shows for the August Burns Red Leveler Anniversary Tour. It was absolutely amazing, and it's all I ever want to do at a concert now. <laughs> Labeled is produced by Matt Carter and Knucklebreaker Productions at Compound 3 Recordings. Editing and sound design by Seth Thompson. Editorial oversight by Jim Worthen and Adam Scatula. Brand and design direction by Joel Buchelman. Our production manager is Katie Franson. Executive producers Brandon Ebel and Matt Carter. Additional support from Marshall Frimuth, Tyson Pauletti, and Anna Merzglocki. Sorry if I messed up your name. <laughs> See you next time. I
Vengeance for my father!